Once again, thank you to our praise team because when they came in here this morning, they didn't know what songs we were doing because I had changed them all up. I want to make just a very quick announcement to you. You might have noticed that we had extra cupcakes here um, this morning. And if there are any anything that's left over, you're welcome to take with you. In fact, we encourage you to take that along with you. We don't want them to go stale. So uh, they're for you if you want as you head out. If you will, wait until the sermon's over. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. All right. I want, there goes Don. I knew it. <laughs> I'm going to preach to you today out of Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13. And I want to take you first to uh, verse 24. This is where Jesus is about to teach a parable. He has been teaching uh, a, a large group of people and he's teaching uh, another parable, as it says in verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted up and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. We're going to skip down in the same chapter to verse 36. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be in the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has an ear, let him hear. Last year, or sorry, last week, we launched a a series called Kingdom Come. And we took note that when Jesus came to this world, when he was born and he became a human being, that as he came, he brought with him an entire kingdom. Jesus would teach about it. He would refer to it as the kingdom of heaven. He would refer to it as the kingdom of God. And sometimes he would talk of the kingdom. All the same, when you're reading in your Bibles in the New Testament, and Jesus is teaching about the kingdom, in this case, the kingdom of heaven is like, he is speaking about the kingdom that he brought when he came. You see, we're all born into the kingdom of the world. And the Bible speaks of the the kingdom of this world. And it is the the, the, the existence that we have. It is our flesh and blood existence. And the world has its values. The world has its system, if you will. And, 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 and it's how we live as people. And you were born into this world. And you were part of the kingdom of this world. No doubt about it. And 
part, the greater part of Jesus' reason for ever coming to this world in the first place was to bring with him the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And I want to say to you something that I said to you last week. The kingdom of God now is right here with us. It's easy to see the kingdom of, of the world. I mean, we live in it. We experience it. We're, we're, it's part of our life. The kingdom of heaven sometimes is that kingdom we cannot see. But I want to say to you, it's just as present and it's just as near and it's just as real. We may not see it. We may not always perceive it. We may not always hear it. But the kingdom of heaven is here on earth because Jesus brought it here. And it is just as real as the kingdom of of, of earth or the kingdom of mankind. I like, uh, as I shared with you last week, I like what uh, Pastor Stephen Deneth uh, shared when he was uh, preaching a message on this. And, and he walked up to a guy like this, forgive me, Don, for a second. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is right here. And there are times when you're not even aware that God's kingdom is present. There are beings present that are invisible, angels. There are beings present that are with us, the kingdom of heaven. And we talked about the power of that kingdom, that the kingdom of heaven has a total, totally different um, um, uh, economy. It has a totally different way of seeing life. If you want to see a contrast uh, in Jesus teaching between the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of heaven, read the Sermon on the Mount. Go to uh, Matthew chapter five and read chapters five, six and seven. And you will see that in, in God's way of thinking, this is the man who is blessed. And in the world's, it's a very different thing. And so you can see that contrast. But Jesus preached and taught about the kingdom of heaven. And folks, last week we, we just launched a series trying to, I tried my best to convince you or tell you that the fact that the kingdom of God is here is really good news. Good news for us. And we spent some time thinking about the good news of the kingdom of God. The scripture we studied last week told us that Jesus went into the tabern- or sorry, the temple to preach the good news of the kingdom. And we believe that. Jesus preached and taught it, and he had a lot to say about it. And we have just read one of his teachings. Now, just to hang on to that, that's the foundation of the message. I'd like for you to listen to a song. Okay, we won't play a whole lot of it. But when you know what this song is, would you slip your hand in the air? Okay, when you recognize what this song is, slip your hand up if you know. Yeah, you old people. I see you old ones. Yeah, yeah. Not all of you are old. Okay, somebody say it. What is this? It is the theme to the Leave it to Beaver show. Okay, yeah, you'll remember and you can stop playing that crazy song. But yeah, when that that music would come on, you know, leave it to Beaver. And you remember June and Ward Cleaver. And why would they be so mad at their one son to name him Beaver? I have no idea. That was his nickname. It was Theodore, which isn't much better. But, yes, it was a show about the Cleaver family, Beaver Cleaver, and and his brother Wally. Wally was the older son, and Wally had a best friend. Do any of you remember his best friend? Yes, that guy. And I don't know about you, but I never liked him. 
I never did. That guy was a nerve-wracking guy to me. Because here's Eddie Haskell, right? Am I telling you the truth? He is the biggest phony in the world. He'd walk up to Mrs. Cleaver and be so sweet. Hello, Mrs. Cleaver. And he'd be so polite to Mr. Cleaver and Mrs. Cleaver. And then when their backs were turned and they weren't around, that hypocrite would just be a jerk to Beaver. Poor beaver. And, and he would just be like that. He'd be mischievous and in the thing. And so really, he kind of lived out the word hypocrite to me. When I saw him, he acted like the nicest kid any parent would want to have in their home. But when they weren't looking, look out. This kid was a disaster. I want to take a few minutes to, to, to use that imagery if we can, because I believe nobody likes a hypocrite. And today we read a parable that Jesus taught about his people, his church. It's commonly referred to as the parable of the weeds. And one of the key features of this parable is the reality that the church has weeds in it. It's not just a place of wheat, but it is a place of weeds. Our own version of Eddie Haskell. So... When you invite somebody to church and they look at you in disdain and they say, no, I'm not coming to church. Church is full of hypocrites. It's most likely what that means is they've run into somebody who is a churchgoer who has acted one way in church, Eddie Haskell, and acted another way when they're not in church, right? That's usually why somebody would say, I'm not going to your church because the church is full of hypocrites. And there's probably an element of truth to the hypocrite statement. However, I didn't and won't think for a moment that the church of Jesus is full of hypocrites. I think we have some weeds. I think the reality of it is in pretty much any church in America and around the world, in the church of Jesus Christ, there may be a few weeds along with the wheat. That notwithstanding, nobody likes hypocrites. I'll come back to the subject of hypocrites in the church. But I want to suggest to you that Jesus didn't tell this parable primarily to highlight that issue within the church. I think he is illustrating some very important facts about what he called in verse 19, the message of the kingdom. You see, when Jesus brought the kingdom of God to this world, it came with a message. I love the message, by the way, and I, I truly believe it is the message that the world needs to hear. And I like the way that um, I've been talking to you about it uh, when I've been thinking about really what Billy Graham was all about. And you remember when I was talking about his ministry, pretty much he had one message that he preached, and it's the message of the kingdom. There's a God, and this God loves you, and this God wants a relationship with you. What a message. What a powerful, wonderful thing to know. God exists, and he created you. And God wants a relationship with you. He loves you. That's an amazing, beautiful message. And Jesus spoke about the message of the kingdom. There's some things in his teaching in this particular parable that I'd like to try to hook on to, if I can. And don't worry, we'll come back to the to the whole idea of hypocrites. But I'd like to look at this together because I think he is, in, he is illustrating some very important things for us to hear. The first concept that I want to share with you is this. In the world, the message revealed. In the world, the message revealed. Jesus, in his explanation of this parable, when the, 
the, the disciples uh, heard him give this parable, they obviously didn't really feel confident that they fully understood what he was teaching. So when they had Jesus alone, they asked him, would you explain to us what you were talking about out there when you were talking about weeds and, 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 and wheat and all of that? What's that all mean? And in his explanation, Jesus said plainly that he places his church strategically into the world. In verse 37, Jesus said that it is he who is the sower in this parable. Now, there are other parables and other stories in the Bible about sowing seed. And sometimes the sower in those parables would be us. And sometimes the good seed would be the word of God. This time, the the parable tells us that Jesus is the one who sows. And the seed, the good seed that he sows are people who belong in the kingdom of God, people who are followers of Jesus. In other words, folks, the church. The church exists today because Jesus wants it to exist today. And I know that we're far from perfect, and I do understand why some people say, I'll never darken the doors of a church. I understand why they would say that. I really do. And some of it has to do with the wheat. I'm sorry, it has to do with the weeds that are in with the wheat. I understand that. But the fact is, Jesus is the sower and the church. We, we who are his followers are the good seed according to this parable. His church is the chosen vessel to communicate the message of the kingdom. That message I just gave to you very briefly. There's a God. God created you. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. The good news, there's a way. That's a beautiful message. And the, the, the chosen way that God wants to do that, the way that Jesus does that is he's planted throughout this world. The world is the, the, the field. The world is the place. Throughout this planet, there are pockets of people who love God that Jesus has put where you are, where we are, on purpose for the express purpose of getting the message revealed to the world. The Lord strategically puts people in the places where we can influence people for him. And so, once again, I need to remind you that the responsibility for getting the message of the kingdom into the ears of people throughout the world is not given to angels, not given to other celestial beings. It is given to the people of God. It is our mission. It is what God wants. So when we gather together like this, it's important to see ourselves as part of the big kingdom of God. And it's important that we never lose sight of the fact that we are where we are as a church, as a gathering. Our congregation is where we are because God wants us here. And let me tell you something. We're planted right here in Northampton, Pennsylvania, in this particular local church because there are some people out there who need the message that we believe in. They need to hear about Jesus Christ. They need the message of the kingdom. They need to be, be able to understand and believe in and tap into the power, the transforming power of that kingdom. Folks, many of you sitting here today were probably in a church service, something like this, when you began to hear about the, hear this beautiful message of the kingdom. And many of you here today responded to that message, and it changed everything, everything. It turned your whole life around. And, folks, we are planted in this location because there are people who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I have some news for you that I think is very important for us to bear in mind, church. 
not a lot of them want to come into our building. And most likely, most of the people in this community will never step in to this building to a church service. That's the way it is today. That's the reality. We, we are in a, a, a nation now that I think is beyond post-Christian. That's kind of a popular, popular term, a post-Christian nation. There was a time when we were dominated with churches. There was a time when people came to church because their families came and it was the thing to do and people wanted to go to church. Those days are gone. And then we moved to what is known as a post-Christian society. There are, there are still some in a post-Christian society that will come out, that will be part of it, but a lot of them are starting to walk away. I think we have moved, I have to agree with somebody I was talking to the other day, that we have moved to a pre-Christian society now. And what I'm saying is the message has been drowned out so effectively around us that now it's pretty hard. that You can talk to people in America pretty regularly today who doesn't have a clue, who don't have a clue of, about the message that's in the Bible. If you use the words and the terminology in the Bible to look at you like you're speaking a foreign language. That's, I'm not insulting anybody. That's the world we live in. And so there's not a great propensity when you invite somebody, hey, go to church with me. There's not a great propensity to say, oh, yeah, that sounds like fun. No, that's not the reaction you most of the time will get. So that's the reality of our world. Having said that, Jesus has deliberately planted Christians and churches, groups of people who follow him to get the message back out into the world. I believe right now this particular church has the talents and resources we need to show a lot more people who Jesus is if we care to uh, share the message of the kingdom. Our church is what it is today, raised up by the Lord to provide a specific ministry to this world. There are things we're called to do that maybe other churches aren't. And I think there are people that we'll appeal to and God will use us in their lives that may not feel that way about other churches. We're not in competition with other churches. God put us here for a specific reason, and I just want to be everything God would have us to be. Amen. We have a role in reaching this area for Jesus Christ. I think every congregation has unique giftings to minister to people, and our church is no exception. The world's big. The harvest is huge. And God helping us, we can be used to bring some in, and that's my heart. Children of the kingdom, let me speak to you for just a moment and tell you, that if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, that God has placed you strategically in the lives of people who don't know him, all for the purpose of getting the message to them. You work with them. You have neighbors living beside you. They don't know the Lord. You have them in your family. You have people in your life that God has placed you in. And for some of those people, there's not a person on this planet who has more influence on their life than you. And you have an opportunity to give the good news to somebody who needs that good news. The kingdom of God is here. There's a Savior who is here for people. And see, the message was sown into the world through you. That's the plan. That's what Jesus is doing. And so may we not 
shrink back or drop back from a responsibility to try to see to it that our loved ones, our friends, our, our colleagues, our, our neighbors know about Jesus Christ. Second, the second um, concept that I, I want to uh, share with you is this. In the heart, the message received. In the heart, the message received. This is another truth that was clearly taught in this parable. It is this. The message of the kingdom only benefits those who receive it into their hearts. You'll remember not too long ago, I brought into this sanctuary a piece of exercise equipment. It was called the body blade. And some of you are, oh yeah, I remember when that knucklehead did that, right? Yeah, and and I have... I have a body blade, okay? And it's this thing that I watched on TV. And, you know, if it's on TV, it's the truth. It's like the Internet, right? It's like the Internet. And so these guys were taking this thing, and it was it looks like a blade, and, and they're holding on to it in the middle, and they're shaking it. And, man, these guys were ripped, man. They were really buff, and I'm watching them do that. I said, man, I could get ripped like that. All I need to do is buy a body blade and stand around and shake it all the time. And I'll just be this hard-bodied really tough looking pastor man that'd be awesome I'll, when the sun when the sun's out the guns will be out you know that kind of thing so i was just thinking to myself man i need me a body blade and i spent a lot of money and i bought this piece of uh, exercise equipment and i used it for two or three days i'm just telling the truth here okay and don't laugh at me some of you laughing have clothes hanging right now on your treadmills and your bicycles and I know many of you, you have nice uh, exercise equipment in your house. Some of you have weights and some of you have stuff that you ride like a bicycle and doesn't go anywhere. And I know you have that kind of stuff in your house. But how many of us understand that the only, and by the way, the body blade probably works. But the problem is you have to use it. I just would like to have something that I could buy and just sit it there and go, okay, do it. That's what I would like to have. But so far... So far, they haven't invented it. I laughed the other day when I saw a commercial of some electrical device that you put on your muscles and make them contract uh, on, on their own, you know. Zing, zing, zing. I'm just thinking, yeah, that would make you tough. And I didn't buy it. But I keep the body blade, and I have it around for, for a specific reason. Number one, a sermon illustration. It's a great sermon illustration. But I have it there to remind me, don't be stupid and buy something else you're not going to use. You know what? The body blade may benefit me if I would ever break it out and be really disciplined and use it every single day. I may have arms of steel and probably abs of marshmallow, but but I could. I could end up with something if I would use it. But here's the thing about it. Here's the thing about your exercise equipment. Here's the thing about your gym memberships. Not going to do you a bit of good until you apply them. And the message of the kingdom must come into your heart. In this message, in this parable, Jesus clearly illustrated that there are people within the church of Jesus Christ who, who look like wheat, but they're weeds. Because they're not benefiting from the message of the gospel. It only benefits you when it moves from here to here. That's when there is benefit in your life. It only benefits you when you begin to live by it. So this message is meant 
to be planted in our hearts and take root there. Follow with me what Jesus taught in this parable. He sowed his church strategically into the world, he said. His church or his people are the good seed that sprang up all over the world. We are the wheat. But with the wheat, weeds grew up. They showed up because an enemy, the devil, planted people within the church who are not godly people. But they look godly on the outside. See, the weed that is talked about is there is actually a weed called Darnell. It's, it's, it's a tear sometimes in another translation. But this weed looks just like wheat as it's growing. And only when the heads are beginning to form can you distinguish between the wheat and the tares. And so this field that Jesus is talking about had existed for a while. It had grown for a while, and it had gone pretty far before the workers were able to say, hey, something's not right. There's some weeds in with this wheat. It looks just like wheat until they're formed. The weeds are in congregations, brothers and sisters. There are people, listen to me, who faithfully go to church and identify themselves as fellow believers. They faithfully come and they learn the behaviors and the songs just like every believer learns them. They appear to be believers until something happens that brings the truth to the surface that they really are not. Now, some are clearly hypocrites because they act in one way in church services and they live completely contrary to what they're learning in church when they're not in church. And sadly, there are people who see that and say, I don't want to be part of a congregation that has people like that. They are weeds and they're going to church. And here's what I want you to hear. Being in close proximity to the message of the kingdom week after week is doing them no good because the message has never taken root in their heart. Here's the sad reality. If you follow this parable through, there will be a day when finally time is no more and judgment comes. And one of the first things that God is going to do is send his angels into his church. And they are going to take first out of the church the weeds. People who have gone to church sometimes all of their lives and never turned to Christ and never appropriated that beautiful message. In close proximity, go to churches, sometimes get very involved. Again, know how to sing. Some of them may raise their hands when we worship. And because they had never connected and made a relation, had a relationship with Jesus Christ, on the end day, the angels who will be able to tell the wheat from the, the weeds will take the weeds out of the church and bundle them up. And they will be collected and burned. And I'll talk to you about that in a little while. Folks, listen. This is the most important principle I'm teaching you today. The good news of the kingdom of God only works when it is planted and rooted in our hearts, okay? We can't say just with our heads, oh, I believe. Oh, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Oh, I believe the Bible's telling the truth. Oh, I, I, I agree. You can't just do that. It has to sink from the head to the heart, and we have to embrace it, and we have to live by it, and we have to allow God to make transformations happen with us. In some ways, weeds like people I've just described, are in greater danger than people who never darken the church doors and make no bones about not wanting to. 
The greatest danger of being a weed is your heart can grow less and less sensitive to God moving and God speaking. And you can become very complacent as a weed. And you can think to yourself, everything is good, nothing bad is happening. And before you know it, you deceive yourself. And you really think all is well, but you've never made a commitment to Christ. And you've never lived for Christ. And the gospel is not being lived out in you. And you end up being a weed, and you think because I'm close to the wheat. This is wheat right here, I know. I know it. Look at that head. All right, this is, this is wheat. This is a wheat. All right, because I'm close to the wheat, because, because he's my good buddy, because he says hallelujah, and I say hallelujah, and I know how to act like Pastor Don acts. You know, because I know that, and I'm in close proximity, God's going to let me in because I'm good. And that's the deception. I'm, I'm going to say it to you like I've said it to you before. God does not have one grandchild, only children. I don't get in because my dad is righteous. I get to be with Christ because the the gospel message has left here, gone into here, taken root, and I've been adopted. And I'm a child of God. Amen? Even my dad is my brother in the kingdom of heaven. Even my, my, my grandparents are my brothers and sisters in the kingdom of heaven. See, it's not the kingdom of the world, so it's very different. So I want to say to you, the dangerous, scary thing about this parable to me is how people can deceive themselves. And folks, be a weed long enough. And as I said, your heart can grow less and less sensitive to the convicting power and the moving power of the Holy Spirit. I've seen weeds sometimes, and I'm trying to be kind and loving. I've been in the church a long time. I've been in a lot of church services. I've spent hours in church, okay? So I've seen sometimes in, the, in services where the Holy Spirit... It's clearly moving, and you can see people being stirred and moved on by God. The Spirit is moving. You see sometimes emotions coming out of people, but it's just evident that God is in the room, and I've seen weeds sitting there thinking to themselves, I don't feel nothing. And forget the bad grammar, but that's how it comes out. I don't feel anything. And I've had weeds walk up to me and say, Pastor, I, I'm, not, I'm not getting anything from your church services. And I want to say it lovingly. It's not my fault. And I'm not trying to sound nasty. It's your responsibility to eat. Okay. I I can't spoon feed it to you. You have to feed your own soul. And if you're getting nothing, it's probably because you're not connected to the vine. You're you're not. And so I challenge all of us to to, to just bear in mind that this has to go into our hearts it has to the the message has to be received it has to go it's come into the world it needs to be in our hearts in order for it to help us being in close proximity will never help us there was a man named Saul who thought he was righteous thought he was doing God's work and it turned out he persecuted the Christians and Jesus met him one day in the midst of it and that's where he discovered he had never accepted Christ, and he was hell-bound until the Lord reached him. What good is the message of the kingdom of God if it doesn't enter the heart of a person and good? Finally, this last concept. In the fire, the message rejected. In the fire, the message rejected. This is a concept I don't like preaching. This is a concept that um, is not pleasant. For, for anyone, 
God takes no pleasure in this, nor does any believer. But this truth cannot be ignored. To ignore it would be foolish. The frightening truth is that there will be a day that I just described to you when all the weeds are taken out of the church. I said it, out of the church. I'm not even talking right now about people who don't darken the church doors. I'm talking to all of us churchgoers for a minute. And day is coming when Jesus said, I'm going to send my harvesting angels and all of the Eddie Haskells, all of the weeds will be plucked out of the church. And I'm going to gather them together. And the imagery is ugly and terrible. They'll be thrown into a fire. They'll be bound. They'll be cast into a fire. And the Bible says it. They'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Agony. Horrible. These are people who came to church. These are people who sat in the services. And so I want to say to you that what happened there is they were in the fire in the parable because they never received and never never accepted and embraced the message of the good news. They never embraced Jesus. That is the fate of every unbeliever. And see, there are unbelievers in churches today. That doesn't make me happy to preach it, but I have to tell you, if I have any kind of, if I'm worth anything as a pastor, you want a pastor who reminds you of that once in a while, because it is the truth. I don't want to go into the judgment one day and have any of you look at me and say, Pastor Ken, we didn't know. You never told us. I don't want to be that preacher. I'd rather you be a little bit upset with me today because I had the audacity to say that people get thrown into the fire. I'd rather you be a little upset with me than for me to stand at the judgment bar and say, why didn't you tell us about this? It happens. It's going to happen. I shared all of this, I believe, because this is a teaching about the kingdom of heaven and earth. Verses 40 through 42 tells us of a day when these unrepentant sinners are going to be condemned, but the righteous will, be, uh, will shine for the, for the Lord, and they'll be taken to be with the Lord. I can't speak for any of you today. I can only tell you what's on my heart about this, all of this truth. In all of this parable, I just want to say to you that I'm so very grateful that one day for me, a person came to our door, a, a lady pastor who waited past a whole bunch of dogs the, because we had a house full of animals, made their way up to our house and invited us to the church. And I'm so glad for that little lady. I still remember the impact of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was 10. 10. And the only time I had ever heard, as far as I know, the Lord's name, it was used in cursing. So I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know anything about the message. But when we went to this, I still remember the first lesson that was taught in that Sunday school class. I remember it clearly. And I remember learning and, and just being excited to hear about Jesus Christ, about the scriptures and and it became alive, and, and there came that moment when, I, as a 10-year-old boy, I turned to Christ, and he changed everything, turned everything around. The message works, and the message is glorious, and I'm so grateful that there was a little lady who never didn't know the name Dusa, didn't know our family, 
but came up cold turkey, drove up into our driveway, got out and waded through all the dogs just to invite us to come to Sunday school. Praise God for that woman. She's in heaven, and she's one of my heroes. And I'm going to see her again one day, and I'll be in heaven largely because she had the courage to to just share the, the message. You see, Jesus planted her in my life, and it changed everything. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful for Christians who had the boldness to share the message. And I want to tell you something. There's a whole lot more 10-year-olds and younger and older out there who, if they knew the message, would turn to Christ and their lives would change. Don't, don't discount what you can do with an invitation. Don't discount the difference you can make in the life. The message still works, and Christ still works, and, he's, and people still want to know that there really is a God who loves them. Listen, they want to know that. They, the problem is so many people sit back and say, that can't be right. That just can't be right. So they need it. You have an opportunity, church, to help us spread the word about Jesus Christ. And I, I intend to do all that I can to drive you nuts enough to go out and help me reach because there's a world that's lost. We need, they need Jesus, all right? So as I've been preaching today, I wonder if there's anybody here who would say, you know what, just in your heart of hearts, don't raise your hand or anything. I think I'm a weed. I don't have a relationship with God and the message isn't doing me any good. I think I'm a weed. Now I want you to know the beauty of, the, of, of Jesus Christ is at any point you can turn and you can confess to him, I need you, God. I need you. I'm, I need you to come into my heart. I want to belong to you. I don't want to face what the weeds will face. Make me your child. And instantly, he will love you into his kingdom because there's room for you and he loves you. So if you're sitting here thinking, yeah, I'm really more like the weed than the wheat than today you can have that change today you can come to the Lord if there is a Christian here today and you know you're a believer you love God but it is just so hard for you to know what to say and when to say it can I can I be really transparent and tell you there are times I, I don't know what to say I was in the presence of a family member yesterday who is just so lost so lost and I've said things to this individual before I didn't have a clue yesterday didn't have a clue what words I could use and I didn't say much about the Lord to this person yesterday I have before but yesterday I just felt at a loss I, I looked at this individual and I said to myself what do I say how can I help how can I change the direction of this person's life and my heart was heavy sat there thinking about what will happen to this person if they don't understand, if they don't receive Christ, where they're going to end up. So I don't know. Maybe I'm looking into the faces of other Christians and you've been there and you know what I'm saying. There are times when it's just so hard to even say anything. Maybe you need to say to the Lord today, God, will you please give me direction in this because I'm not good at this at all. I just need to tell you. And I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. The early church in Acts chapters 2 through uh, following, the early church was awesome. The 
but just finding people and telling them about the Lord. And that's why every day, every single day in the early church, people were coming to the Lord and it was growing. It was because people wanted others to know and they just invited, they just told them, they just said, listen, you gotta, you gotta know. Maybe there's a Christian here today and you, this is a struggle for you. And maybe you need to just simply say to the Lord, oh God, I confess that this is hard. Would you please help me? Maybe as I was talking, somebody came into your mind, somebody you care a lot about and you want to help and you just don't know what to say. And so maybe there will be a Christian here today who say, oh God, I, I, I want your help with this prayer. Just need help. I feel responsible. I think you put them in my life and me in there. Help me with this prayer. Help me. So bow your heads for a minute. Is there anyone in this room who would say, I need Christ and I know it. I'm a weed. I need the Lord. I need forgiveness. And I'm asking God to come into my heart. If that is you, would you raise your hand right now, right here? I am giving my life to Jesus Christ. Amen. I need Christ. I want him to be my Savior. And even now, you can put your hand back down. Even now, you can pray to him and say, oh, Lord, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to come into my heart and take my sins away. I want to be your child. I want to walk with you. And I want to love you. Jesus, come into my heart. Thank you. And I wonder if there are any Christians who would just acknowledge by raising their hand, Pastor Ken, I struggle telling people about Jesus or inviting or anything. And I need word. I need God to give me wisdom. Thank you. Hands are already going up. I just want to acknowledge it. I want to say that I love people and I love the Lord, but this is hard for me. I want you to pray for me. God helping me, I'll do my best to pray. I know it's hard, just so you know. I know it's hard. Father, you see our hearts and you see our hands and you see uh, where we are in relationship to all of this. And I just, please, Father, I ask you help us. I think about the one who lifted their hand to receive Christ this morning. And I ask for transformation power for them. I thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you by faith that they were able to trust and believe. And, Lord, they, they don't want to be a weed. They want to be your child. I pray that they will walk out of here knowing that they know that things are right with God. I want to pray for every Christian in here. Lord, give us boldness. Help us, Lord. Give us words. Show us how, Lord, to help people know you. Minister to your people. May the kingdom of heaven be advancing here. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.